0: From Michigan Radio, this is It's Just Politics on this Friday. I am Zoe Clark. Good to be with you. This week, Michigan's Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission sues the state legislature over funding.
1: We're an independent, nonpartisan commission. We want the Constitution to be followed and our money appropriated so that we can do our jobs.
0: The future of the state's paid sick leave and minimum wage laws in front of the Court of Appeals.
1: The legislature adopted it only to gut it. Where the legislature amends an initiative act, the people have at least two remnants. They may reenact the measures by another initiative, or at the same time, at the same election, may elect other members of the legislature
0: throw the bums out. And Governor Gretchen Whitmer signs a directive to get state government ready for the state's new abortion rights amendment.
2: My executive directive direct state departments to review how Prop 3 applies to their jurisdictions and identify ways that we can protect and increase protections to this fundamental constitutional
0: right. Clara Hendrickson is here. She is politics reporter at the Detroit Free Press. Hi, Clara. Hi, Zoe. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you here. And my It's Just Politics co-host, Rick Pluta, also here. He is senior capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Hi, Rick.
1: Hi, Zoe. Hi, Clara.
0: So I want to get to this directive that Governor Whitmer signed this week, basically telling state government, hey, get prepared for Proposal 3. This, of course, is the Reproductive Freedom for All constitutional amendment that was passed by voters last month. But if you have been hearing about recounts of this proposal but are confused, have no fear because Clara is here. Clara, recounts of the ballot measure enshrining abortion rights and voting rights in the state constitution are being recounted.
2: Can you explain just what is going on here? Sure. So I think the most important thing to know about these partial recounts of these two ballot proposals is that not enough votes were requested to be recounted to mathematically change the outcome here so The outcome is known. Both of these proposals have passed and they will be enshrined in the Michigan Constitution. But before that happens, um, there is this recount that is underway across the state of Michigan. And this was backed by a group that formed in the wake of the 2020 election and mostly has focused on relitigating claims of election fraud in, in the 2020 election that have been found to be baseless. But now they've sort of put their energy behind this recount and For the most part, what I've heard from election officials across the state is that things have gone relatively smoothly. There was one challenger at a Marquette recount site who was ejected from the room for repeatedly trying to see the other side of the ballot that did not contain the proposals that were being recounted. But for the most part, this is expected to all wrap up before those amendments actually get officially inserted in the Michigan Constitution before the end of the year.
0: So, Rick, this group, as Clara is talking about, it is Election Integrity Force, same group that filed a lawsuit to decertify the 2020 election earlier this year. So, I mean, is this just pure politics and grandstanding here among this group?
1: I mean, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put a, a knife between the bricks and just keep wiggling it and wiggling it and wiggling it and see if they uh, can't loosen up the structure and find that there are things wrong, that you can then expand the arguments, um, if not for this election, then for uh, future elections and argue that – the way that elections are run are not secure and are uh, not reliable absent some changes that they're calling for. And we should point out, as we always do, that there is no evidence that elections in Michigan are not secure and that they are not reliable. They are secure. They are reliable.
0: We should note Proposal 2 that enshrined voting rights passed with 60 percent of the vote in November. Proposal 3, enshrining abortion rights passed by nearly 50%. 57 percent. And again, Clara and Rick, as you both keep noting, this will not actually change, could not actually change the outcome of the vote. So I guess the question is then, why was it allowed to go forward? Clara, can you talk about sort of the legal mechanics of the Michigan Board of State canvassers basically saying we sort of have to allow this to go, even if we don't agree with it?
2: They were given legal guidance that they basically didn't have any discretion to reject this request for a recount. A few years ago, lawmakers did amend the recount process for candidates that, uh, you know, there's certain uh, you have to be within a certain margin uh, to, to request the recount. The price of the recount goes up if there's not that margin in place. But that sort of same threshold doesn't have to be met when it comes to recounting ballot proposals. So now, seeing a partial recount that has been allowed to proceed, that isn't going to affect the outcome, it could prompt some, you know, legislative changes mm-hmm. in the next session. Um, one thing it, to note too here is that. Recounts are expensive. Yes, Like I talked to the Macomb County clerk, the recount of proposals two and three there costs the county over $17,000. Um, and some of that will be offset by the amount of money that's being paid by those behind the recount. But, you know, it's definitely not enough to really make up for the full cost of the recount here. Well, let's get back uh, to the
0: implementation of Proposal 3. Again, the Abortion Rights Amendment. Rick, as we noted this week, Governor Whitmer ordered state departments and agencies to get ready, basically, to enforce this new law. She signed an executive directive. What did it say? What does it do?
1: Um, Basically, it ordered state departments and agencies to start looking through their rules and regulations and uh, get ready to ask for changes where changes are necessary to uh, comply with the new amendment and basically make plans to get ready. Also, that uh, Michigan, um, if confronted with the question, would not cooperate with uh, efforts from other states to uh, try and stop people from coming to Michigan to uh, exercise abortion rights consistent with the law in the state. It's actually kind of a, um, a new version of instructions that the uh, governor had already given to uh, state departments and agencies, but wanting to make clear, I, I think, especially that issue about you can come to Michigan, you can get a, a legal uh, abortion as long as you comply with uh, state laws. And just one other thing to mention is that because this is a directive, it is not subject to advice and consent by, uh, by the legislature.
0: Comply with state laws. We should note that this amendment officially does not take place, though, until December 24th. Clara Whitmer and Democratic leaders have said, even though there is this amendment, that they still want to repeal the 1931 law that criminalizes abortion in this state. uh, Something we should be looking out for early in the new
2: legislative season. Sure. I think that'll be something that Democratic lawmakers now holding control of uh, the state legislature for the first time um, in decades will try to do pretty early on into their tenure holding control. I think what's interesting to note here is that, you know, Whitmer heralded this executive director as basically her administration's first step to protect this new fundamental right to reproductive freedom. And then at the start of the year, we'll start to see how lawmakers are planning to review um, state laws that may or may not be in conflict with the new constitutional amendment here. Uh, Opponents to the abortion rights amendment had argued that it would nullify basically all kinds of state laws. And so it'll be fascinating to see how lawmakers sort of Review what's already on the books and decide whether or not other laws outside of the 1931 abortion ban should be repealed as well.
0: And Rick, as, as you reported throughout election season uh, on Proposal 3, this idea, as Clara says, that, that likely a lot of this is going to begin being litigated very soon in the new year. And mm-hmm. not necessarily legislatively litigated, but things like literally consent. litigated mm-hmm. in
1: in court. Mm-hmm. That um, a parental consent is one that uh, seems to be uh, brought up a lot. The um, because of the amendment, the likely you know we won't know until court's rule. The likely standard that will be applied. Is, does this enhance the right to an abortion? Does it actually make abortions? Safer, or the provision of abortions uh, safer, or um, are these meant? Are these laws meant to uh, throw up impediments to the right to abortion? But there's, I mean, zero chance that um, abortion and abortion rights opponents in Michigan are simply going to, you know, shrug their shoulders and walk away from this fight. Mm-hmm.
0: That is Rick Pluta, senior capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. We are also speaking with Clara Hendrickson, politics reporter at the Detroit Free Press here on It's Just Politics on this Friday. Clara, this week, Michigan's Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission announced that they're suing the state legislature. What is going on here?
2: Yeah, this this isn't so much of a surprise. The commission had talked about potentially uh, pursuing a lawsuit against state lawmakers because they started the, the fiscal year early October without any funds that had been appropriated for them to to continue to support their work. They weren't included in the budget that was signed into law this summer and a supplemental spending bill negotiations over that basically fell apart during the lame duck session. And so they the commission saw that, you know, they were left with no other choice but to sue state lawmakers and ask a court to order lawmakers to appropriate millions of dollars for the commission, which is facing pending litigation, challenging the maps that they adopted. The money would be for these lawsuits. Yeah, it would be to support the the legal defense of uh, their to legally defend their work. But they also still have operational costs. They have um, an executive director. They, the commissioners are still getting compensated. They're meeting about once a month. So they still have expenses outside of the, the legal bills to defend their work. Rick, this has been a
0: contentious relationship. I mean, a Republican lawmaker from the UP introduced a resolution that would have just completely gotten rid of this commission. Um, could the relationship be different with a Democratic majority in the legislature next session? Oh, sure.
1: I mean, Republicans who've uh, basically been the winners uh, in redistricting fights prior to uh, this amendment uh, would like to see the Redistricting Commission go away and you know find some reason to diminish its power as much as possible also people have just been frustrated that the commission does seem to have lingered longer than was expected that it would do its job it would redraw the lines it would adopt the lines and then it would be done for 10 years until the uh, un- until the next round of redistricting comes along but they're they're just still here, um, you know, one of the, you know, one of the reasons is because uh, they keep getting sued to try and contain its authority as much as possible, and you know, this request or really demand for uh, continued salaries is just something that's kind of stuck in the craw of Republican leaders prior going into uh, this round of elections before Republicans lost majority in the House and the Senate.
0: Like we're not dead yet. Um, (laughs) But I mean, in fact, they
2: just met this week. This
1: older guy appreciates the Monty Python (laughs) reference. You're welcome.
2: You're welcome. Claire, I mean, the commission, though, just met this week. Yeah. No, they're still they're still meeting. They're still around. Uh, Obviously, their primary responsibility of actually drawing maps and approving maps, um, you know, ended a year ago when they had a major vote to put into place, new congressional and state legislative districts. Um, The Michigan Constitution does seem pretty clear, though, that their terms don't end until the lawsuits against them are resolved. Whether or not that means that they all should be still collecting a salary at this point, I think there's some legal ambiguity over that. But until those lawsuits come to an end, it seems like, well, there still has to be a commission.
0: Finally, arguments over the state's minimum wage and paid sick leave laws were in front of the Court of Appeals this week. The challenge is over the process that the Republican led legislature took in 2018, now known as Adopt and Amend. Basically, they adopted two petition initiatives to avoid them going to voters on the 2018 ballot. And then the same lawmakers, after the election was over, watered down the measures. Uh, Rick, what legal issue is at play here?
1: Well, there are a couple. I would say one of the central ones that was argued, obviously the, the central issue is whether or not the legislature could Do this in the first place. And um, the attorneys for the Republican leadership are saying they could do it because there's nothing in the Constitution that says they cannot do it. And the attorneys for the other side are, are, are saying that it's actually flipped, that the legislature had no explicit permission to do this in the Constitution. Um, and so, therefore, they could not. Um, and, and part of that is rooted in the difference between the language for initiatives to, you know, adopt laws versus referendums that uh, challenge laws. And they say the language is different. And so therefore, the rules are different. And that if there is any right for, you know, if if there's any prohibition on the legislature doing this thing, um, then it's rooted in tradition and not in anything in black letter law.
0: That's all important and convoluted though and leads to the fact that I did the best I could (laughs) workers and business owners and the state economy basically all waiting to know what the state's minimum wage increase is going to be because it's in flux we know it will go up to ten dollars ten cents on January 1st but it could go up to thirteen dollars three cents in February depending on court decisions
2: Yeah. Attorneys have asked the court to issue its ruling by February 1st. So depending on what that uh, ends up being, could be very, very fast moving changes here on minimum wages and uh, on paid sick leave. When the Court of Claims Judge ruled in July that state lawmakers couldn't adopt an amend. It basically reverted to the original proposals that had been put in these uh, voter-initiated pieces of legislation. And, And now those are basically put on hold. And so a lot of question marks over some pretty big labor issues heading into the new year. And Rick, I mean, it's probably likely that no matter what the Court of Appeals
0: decides that these cases will almost certainly end up in front of the Michigan Supreme Court, the state's highest court.
1: Yeah. Put almost in a smaller font than the um, certainly that uh, no matter who loses, we'll take this to the Supreme Court. We should also point out that, uh, you know, Governor Whitmer, Democrats have said, like, we, we understand that this could place a hardship on businesses. And we are willing to negotiate about this. And Republicans in the legislature said, no, you know, we will uh, we will take our chances in court. And that puts them in the hot seat on this particular question. And uh, there will be dual tracks for uh, business groups pressuring the governor to sort of do this. Well, you know, You said you would, so why don't you, with a lot of Democrats, just like one of the attorneys, said, you know, you created this problem, now you've got to live with it.
0: So I think the takeaway then from this week uh, looking into 2023 is just courts be ready (laughs) because everything it feels like begins with litigation in 2023. Rick Pluta is Capitol correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Clara Hendrickson, politics reporter with the Detroit Free Press. Hey, you two. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. If you are looking for a last minute holiday gift for a loved one, may I possibly suggest a membership to your favorite public radio station or to your favorite newspaper as a gift because independent fact-based information is going to be more important than ever in 2023. I am off my soapbox. That is It's Just Politics for today. If you miss a show or just want more Michigan news, subscribe to the It's Just Politics podcast. I am Zoe Clark. Have a wonderful weekend.